If you'd open to Acts chapter 28. Before we start, okay, uh, look at the first verse, when they were escaped. When did they escape from? The sea. You remember, two weeks on the open sea. Uh, have you ever experienced that? You have two weeks, uh, you didn't know if you were going to drown. Uh, you were out there, and uh, if I asked that, well, I'll just ask it. How many of you guys have seen anything like that? You're on a ship, you don't know, you don't know if you're going to drown, you don't know if you're going to be saved. Uh, you can see uh, stars of sun for uh, two weeks. Raise your hand. Okay, let the... <laughs> okay, well, I'm going there. You're ahead of me, which is pretty typical, right? Uh, how many have figuratively felt like they've been on a storm, tempest-tossed? Uh, this is ridiculous. I don't know which end is up. It, 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 can the pain stop? Uh, and finally, towards the end of it, all hope of being saved was lost. And you're, you're just... You're losing your mind, and it's so hard, and anyone ever feel like that? Uh, so, yeah, now look at the hands. Uh, you say, uh, two weeks, two months, two years. I, I'm, I'm, how many, listen, uh, how many are going through that right now? Okay, I'm going to ask you something. Will you guys stand up, please, and give us a chance to pray for you? I'm serious. If you just, you raise your hand. Right now, that's happening. Okay, the rest of you, can you look at them, get around them, and put hands on them, and we'll pray. And I'm going to give us a few minutes. Someone can pray out loud, and someone can pray, you know, anyone else just agree at, at this time. Just get right around, put the hands on them, and pray. Amen. Listen, I, I wanted the opportunity to pray for one another. But I want us to show, see something about Scripture and how it works. The reason this chapter 27 is in the Bible, look, this is Paul's fourth shipwreck, and it's the first one we've heard anything about. You remember in 2 Corinthians 11, he says, I've been shipwrecked three times. Well, he's already written this. This is his fourth one. What have we heard about it? Nothing. Why are we hearing about it now? Because God has something to tell us. Do, is, do you need to know that this Jewish convert to Christianity, this rabbi-turned-evangelist was in a storm? Does that somehow benefit us? Yes, yes, because we go through the same storms, and we can derive very much from that. Don't read this like a history book. You won't get anything out of it. Read this like the living Word of God who's speaking to us right here, right now. Let's pray before we open up uh, Acts chapter 28. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful Word that speaks to our hearts now, can speak to our situation, can breathe life into whatever we're going through. And we would, this morning, Lord, see that, again, we would experience your Spirit moving among us, speaking to our hearts, challenging, comforting, blessing. And Lord, be glorified in this whole process. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When they escaped... Then they knew that the island was called Melita. We call it Malta today. Some of you guys know our, uh, our uh, friend Colby Brown. He, uh, his betrothed, she's from uh, uh, Malta. And I was kind of hoping she'd be here. So if I said anything wrong, I'd look to her and she'd be going. <laughs> or she'd go like, and I'd 
keep on track. Uh, I'm not going to teach you a lot about Malta because that's not really what it's about. I will say this, it's a postage stamp. It's like 19 miles by 7 in the middle of the Mediterranean. And the fact that they were blown right there, that's God. Because, you know, storms, I mean, hurricanes don't generally have a sense of direction. We've got to get you down to Malta, the hurricane says. And the hurricane takes the ship, twists it all around, and puts it in the, the, uh, what's called now St. Paul's Bay, where the actual place where the shipwreck happened and where they think it happened may or may not be the same thing. Who cares? It got to the island of Malta because Paul had uh, work to do there and God had ministry for him. Even in the storms, is God directing? Obviously... I mean, obviously. So they get to this little, like I say, this little dot in the middle of the Mediterranean, okay? They miss that. They go into Tunisia or maybe Libya, depends on which way the wind's blowing. And there's North Africa. It's not a great place to land a ship. Uh, it's, it's a couple hundred miles to go. Would they make it? Would they survive? Would the ship survive? They haven't eaten in, in quite a while. Would they have enough food to last. Uh, you, they haven't been hardly a, a, any sleep in two weeks. How long does that last for you just tip over from pure exhaustion and, and stress? God knows. So he says, hey, uh, you need to land here. And by the way, I've got ministry. And now we see God's hand of providence in this whole thing. When they were escaped, they came to the silent call Melitan. The barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the har- uh, fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the barbarians saw the venomous beast hanging on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. My goodness, a lot of stuff here. Let's, let's break it down. Uh, the barbarous people, it's not a slur. Uh, barbarous means non-Greek speakers, literally. Because when they heard it, it sounded like ba, ba, ba. It didn't sound like any intelligible, and so they said barbarians. If I called you a barbarian, you wouldn't be blessed. But at this date, it's, not a, it's, it's like I say, it's not a pejorative term. It's not a slur. All they say is they're not Greek-speaking people. They're still not Greek-speaking people. They speak Maltese and English. Okay, the, the official language is Maltese, but they speak English as well. Uh, and they, so, uh, so these non-Greek speakers, they, they were very kind. They were very gracious. They extended hospitality. They just came out of the ocean. Here it is, September, October. It's cold. There's, there's been two weeks' worth of, of wind and storm in Eurycliden. And so they, they, they kindled a fire because that's what you would do in a situation like that if you were trying to be kind so paul is gathering sticks because paul is paul he's probably close to 60 but he's no layabout you know i think he's still making tents whenever he can i think he's still supporting himself and paul's not afraid of hard work uh he, so he says listen i'm no deacon i'm an apostle as a matter of fact i'm the great apostle paul why don't you go pick up sticks not at all not at all. Uh, you know, we learned as Calvary Chapel passes, we learned like, 
Chuck Smith says, when you're walking across the parking lot and there's a cigarette butt, pick it up. Don't wait for somebody else. And we're like, yeah, we like that. We like that attitude. You know, none of us is like too cool for school. And, you know, that's like that sort of work is way beneath me. What? No, 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 we don't, no. You're thinking about it all wrong. I don't want to steal anyone's blessing, but hey, you know, we have a work day or something. I show up, roll up my sleeves. Do I run the thing? No, I let somebody else. Uh, Again, I don't want to steal anyone's blessing, but I want to help out. And I think, you know, those of us who get that, you know, there's a huge blessing in it. What's the huge blessing? Being snake bit? (laughs) I'm glad you asked because it seems like that, doesn't it? I step out, I'm like serious about serving the Lord, and all of a sudden, venomous snake. But don't we learn that in Scripture? All that would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Same as saying, I've never been snake bit. I don't know what you're talking about, because you never stepped out to serve. You, oh, you, you serve the Lord, and there's going to be opposition. It was funny to me, last night, um, you know, the... Ladies going, getting ready to go down to the East Coast Passes Conference. One of the drivers to the church, one of the vehicles there, she had a small little fire in her house. Something smelled burned, so she got the kids and got out and called the fire department, and her husband was at the theater, probably watching the Avengers movie, no doubt, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, and she's all like, you know, posting, uh, pray for me. <laughs> I think my house is going to burn down. What is it? So they came. It was an electrical issue. It was, wasn't a fire. It was something burned, and it was taken care of. And Sue's was all excited. She goes, oh, you know what? This is Satan. This is like he's trying to, you know, disrupt. And he's trying to be disruptive because we're going to get a huge blessing at the East Coast Pastors Wife's Conference. I said, that's probably insightful on her part. And I was thinking, yeah. That's probably exactly it. So she said, you know, we should pray. And so I prayed, you know, blessing over. You know how it is, guys, when you're away for a couple days, you know, the, the hot water heat explodes, the cat throws up, the, the leak in the roof. The, you know how that is. You know how, and it, it's that way because that's how Satan is. So we have the women go away for a couple days and brace for impact, Right. Brace for being snake bit. I prayed it away. I was like, Lord, you're mightier. Just put your angels around everybody on the whole East Coast. Don't let anything happen disruptive. Um, but I think that's how it is. So how do we get away from being snake bit? You don't. You don't. You endure per, uh, persecution. What is Paul? Oh, if that's what it means to serve you, I ain't quit. I ain't doing that. He just, look, shake it off. That's all. It's that easy. I mean, it really is. Was a poisonous snake? Come on, really? Jesus said, hey, you're going to Rome. He delivered them through the the storm, through the sailors wanting to kill all the prisoners, through the shipwreck, just so a snake could kill them. And do you you think about Jesus like this? Do you think about this? You think your Savior's like this? Oh, don't! I didn't think about the snakes. How many of you think like that? Because I don't, all right? I, I don't. So what's Paul's situation? It's like, psh, nasty little beast. Shaking off 
uh, a figure of Satan into the fire, I think is just poetic in my thinking. I just think, hey, you're going there anyway, you know. Now, this a snake, this is, isn't Satan. It's just symbolic of Satan, okay? Shake it off into the fire. Um, when you're snake bit, when you're... Something happens to you, you don't get one free get-out-of-jail card like this. You go into that storm, you go into that tempest, and something's happening in your life. Well, God's not faithful to me. I ain't being faithful to him. I get, I get to sin during this time. God's let me down, and I'm just going to throw a hissy fit, and I'm just going to just live in the flesh. I don't care. No. That's a ho- <laughs> no. <laughs> it was a rhetorical question, but, but might as well answer it out loud. No, no. We don't get, no. That, no, that's a wrong idea. Shake your head till that idea falls right out. Because bad things happen to you when you're being good. Now you're going to have two problems. You're going to still be in the storm, and now all the disruptive stuff that happens when you sin is going to attend that. Sin still has the death principle in it. So you're not going to get farther ahead. It's not like, well, I'm going to sin, and I'll show God you mess with me. You ain't showing anybody anything. You're showing that you just don't get how life works. That's what you're showing. No, no. Okay, you're going through a tough time. We'll pray for you. We'll cry with you. We'll give you a hug. We'll give you counsel. We'll help in any practical ways. But you think you get a chance to sin because bad things are happening? Take the, that little nasty beast, shake it off. That's all. Uh, so what's going to happen? By the way, this is the, their, 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 their reaction is breaks me up. It really does. See? See? Justice. That's just what happens. Now, you're stepping up to do ministry. Is Paul doing anything bad? No. No, he's being very helpful. He's, is he... There because he's a bad guy. No, no, no. He's right in the middle of God's will. And what's happening? In the middle of God's will, there are storms, there are sailors, uh, soldiers who want to kill you, there are shipwrecks, and there are snake bites right in the middle of God's will. <laughs> Write it down. Don't get surprised by it. And so what happens? There are people who judge you. Sometimes... Christian people, should they? No. Do they? Yeah. Yeah. Can I give you an example? The disciples. Jesus, this blind guy here, was that because of his sin or because of his parents' sin? In their worldview, those are the only two options. Blindness equals sin. Well, tell us, you know, because his parents sinned up a storm, or did he sin, you know, and what, what, you guys know some, you know some Bible. What did Jesus say? It, it, it's neither one of those. Because Jesus, thought, you always give him A and B and he always picks C. Isn't our God just like that? We can't put him in a box. You're going to select, select this or select this. He says, no, you don't understand. It's not either one of those choices. Uh, you think beyond that. This is for the glory of God. This guy didn't sin in the womb before he was born. Uh, you can't do that. You can't come on a scene and say, is this guy suffering because, uh, you know, because of sin? You can say, oh, no, 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 brother, sister, don't go down that way. That, it, that could end very badly. You can and should do that. But you can't be the I told you so person on the other side. You don't know. You have no idea. 
Did anyone ever do anything that if God sent a snake to bite you, you would say, I can't say I don't deserve it. I, I did this, you know, back in when I was 10. At that time, my Aunt Jane, I answered her and I roughly and I didn't, I wasn't a gentleman at all. I made her feel bad and she cried. Now here I get a snake bite. Anyone ever do anything with, which if you got snake bit, you'd say, yeah, I probably deserve that. Or is it just me? Don't leave me up here alone. Okay, all of us. Paul could think that too. But guess what? It's not. It's not. It's not because, because this is our tendency all the time. God's getting me. No. <laughs> Satan's getting him. And what do you do with that? Shake it off. That's it. God, Satan can make his play, see? These barbarians are right. You are killing Christians. You are causing people to blaspheme. And now you're getting yours. Venomous snake. You're going to die. Guess what? Shake that off. That's wrong. That is theologically wrong. It's wrong in every way. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for my sins. Satan uh, may have a lot to say about that, but God's not getting me. You have to figure that out first to last. You have to know that. Take that situation Get over it. People are going to judge you. What are you going to do? Nothing. Nothing. I said before, I hope this resonates in your heart. The way if, if, if something's happening bad in your life, um, and you deserve it. You ain't got an excuse. If you didn't do anything wrong, you don't need an excuse. But either way, the self-defense, it's, 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 a, it's a fool's errand. So Paul's not saying, hey, you guys are all wrong about me. He just understands this is nothing. He shakes it off and he keeps on pressing on, as we all ought to do. So they look at him a great while. They're expecting him to just tip over. You know, the venom works its way through, gets to the heart, the brain. He, he's all done. Wait a second, he's not, he's not dying. What's going on? He must be a god. It's funny because you remember when he was at Lystra and there was an impotent man who was lame in his feet since birth and Paul perceived that he had the faith to be healed. So Paul prayed and he was healed and they said, oh, the gods have come down. It was him and Barnabas at the time. Oh, the gods have come down and, and they're going to do uh, sacrifice. And when Paul and Barnabas realized what was happening. They came unglued and said, oh, no way. And then certain came down and said, oh, yeah, these guys are blasphemers of God and stuff like that. And then he stoned Paul. You remember that? He went from, you know, hero to zero. He went from God to doesn't need to live anymore, like, just like right now. Uh, now he's going from, you know, mere mortal to God. Uh, you're saying, why doesn't he say anything? I don't think he knows. I don't think he knows what they're thinking because I think he'd have a lot to say about it. But just don't listen to people. They're fickle. And I've said this before. They'll lionize you. They'll idolize you. Then they'll demonize you. I don't want to be idolized for sure. And I, all things being equal, I don't want to be demonized. So I always discourage people's ideas that I'm some sort of special. I'm just like you. I'm just another sinner saved by grace, whose job description happens to be Sunday mornings teach the Word of God, but they didn't put the holiest guy up here. They didn't, sure didn't put the smartest guy up here by a lot. They just, God just does what God does. That's how it works out. He just puts the person he wants. Praise his name is all I can say. Don't listen to what people say. They just 
they, they, don't, they don't always have it right. And the same quarters uh, were uh, possessions of the chief man of the animal whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. <laughs> All 276, was it, that were on the, uh, us or just, you know, us, Paul, you know, um, who, who knows, right? Um, they got uh, a, a military group with Paul. Is that the us? Because chief man of the island is a, a title of, uh, it's a Roman title. He's the head of, because the, they're under uh, Roman occupation, just like the whole uh, area was. You remember, you ever see a map of the, the Roman Empire all through southern Europe and all around the Mideast and, all, and going down to the north of Africa? It looks like, uh, you know, the Mediterranean is, is a lake inside of the, uh, the whole uh, Roman Empire and all the islands like Sicily, like all those, you know, they would all be uh, Crete and Malta. They'd all be under Roman uh, dominion. And so this is that, because this uh, chief man of the island, that's a, a title for, he's the, the Roman governor or whatever you want to call him. And his name's Publius. So he's, he receives us because, you know, Paul's a Roman citizen. He's not, he's a prisoner, but he's not convicted of anything yet. It came to, fa- uh, came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So he's got this father, probably an elderly man, because this guy, if he's a you know, governor, you've got to figure he's not a child, so his dad's getting up probably my age, maybe even older than that. And he's got this, and they think, some people think it's called uh, uh, Malta fever. It's a... Uh, microorganism in the goat's milk. Uh, and still, it, people still come up with it. Now they can treat it better. The day, you know, a bloody flux is dysentery. Enough said. You say, I'm going out to eat. Enough said. Okay. Uh, and Paul comes in and heals him. Why? Paul's a doctor? No. He's, but he knows the great physician, so he lays his hands on him. He laid his hands on him. And he, and he prayed, and God uh, saw fit to heal this man. So why is Paul and his comrades being blown off course onto this island so that stuff like this can happen? So Because God, God says, like, I, I ain't ready for that guy yet. He hasn't even heard the gospel. Why don't you, Paul, why don't you go there? Why don't you pray for him? Why don't you heal him? Why don't you go ahead and share the gospel while you're there? I think that will be a good idea. And when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came and were healed. You ain't going to like this, I don't think. Maybe you, maybe you will, maybe you won't. The word healed there isn't the typical word healed. It means they got medical attention. So that's not very miraculous. I don't know, an island never had any before. Maybe it looked miraculous. You've got to remember, the travel with Luke, he's a physician. Whether God heals me miraculous or heals me with a doctor, I just all things being equal, I guess I just assume be healed, and so I and I'm not going to tell God how to do it. I mean, we pray and we 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 want to be healed from different things, some different maladies that are ailing us. So whatever happened, praise God. But everyone came. They heard that wow, this guy got healed. Like what happened? I don't know. Paul went in, he prayed, and he said some words, and wow, let's go and because. There's a whole island full of people who all have, a lot of them have issues. 
who also honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laid at us with such things as was necessary. So there are three months, the next verse is going to tell us. And what's Paul doing? What does Paul always do? He's doing ministry. Um, this viper, by the way, isn't there anymore on the island. Some say because it was su- such a conversion of Christianity, they were hunted and killed because they were looking for the one that killed Paul, or tried to kill Paul, and they hunted them all to, off the island. Uh, some say it's a miracle that there's none there. Like, you know, uh, Patrick uh, suppose, supposedly drove all the snakes out of Ireland. They say there's no snakes in Ireland. I don't know. I've never been to Ireland. I never looked, went snake hunting there. I don't know, you know. Um, so, you know, believe what you will. Um, but this, like I say, supposedly that snake isn't there anymore. And many were converted to Christianity. The official religion of Malta is Roman Catholicism, okay? Uh, just in case you're wondering. And uh, there is a, a Christian, I would say, influence there. Um, and I, I, I'm not going to say anything more about it than that for right now. So uh, they honored us many honors. They, they, they saw what had happened. He preached the gospel. Many were converted, for sure. After three months, we departed in the ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isle, whose sign was Castor and Pollux. Those are Greeks. Um, Greek, uh, yeah, Greek god of Apollo's, or Zeus's uh, sons. That's what they are. And why is he mentioning that? I have no idea. I always thought it was really curious. Uh, and obviously, they're the patron. You know, they're, they're, uh, there's a superstition among uh, seafaring men. You know, this is the god who will protect us. Obviously, they weren't uh, <laughs> protecting the other grain ship, whatever, that got uh, broken up. God was in charge. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. I just I think that... Uh, uh, Luke is such a wonderful historian. We get little factoids like this. And landing at Syracuse, we tarried there three days. Syracuse is on the island of Sicily, okay? It's an important city back then. So, uh, boy, a- after that year of Clyde, you think you'd never want to get on a ship again? Well, they're on an island, okay? It's not like they have much choice. They weren't going to take a flight out or, you know, get airlifted or anything like that. So, and I bet there was a little bit of trepidation, but I think there's always that in the life of Paul. Again, he's been four shipwrecks. Is he going to make it, Lord, this time, or is it going to be another shipwreck? Well, we'll see. But he knows he's going to Rome because Jesus said he was going to Rome. And from thence we fetched a compass and came to Regium, and after one day the south wind blew, and we came the next day to Puteoli. I love that name of that because it's very Italian-sounding. They're in Italy proper. I grew up in an Italian neighborhood. All proper nouns end with a vowel. Do you know that? Especially names. It was uh, the Salvucci's and the Gentilucci's and the Pellegrini's. And there was all, and, and I always knew, you know, if somebody was Italian. Cause, and of course, you, you go to Olive Garden, right? Pasta, pizza, you know, uh, all, all that. Lasagna. It's all, okay? But puteoli sounds like something you'd order, you know? I'll have the puteoli, you know? I love, I love it, I love it, because like I say, I grew up in an Italian neighborhood, and I just love the way, every time they talked, it sounded like a little sing-song thing, even when they were swearing at me for stealing tomatoes out of their garden, it was, it was beautiful, anyway. I know all the Italian swears, that's the only thing I ever learned, because many of them were hurled at me. Uh, we're, okay, so here they are at Puteoli, and they're in, in Italy proper now, where they, we found brethren... 
and were desired to tarry with them seven days. And so we went toward Rome. We found brethren. There's no... This is the first time Paul's ever been in Rome. How is their brethren? Are these some of the people who from Pentecost came and got saved way back when? On the day of Pentecost? Because they were people from Rome. Uh, and they took their faith back with them? Is this because there's other disciples going around? Or is this like, you know, we, we preach to, the, you know, we establish a church in Ephesus, which established a, a church in Colossae, which established in a church, and just kind of like chain link all the way? I, I have no idea. But God's working way past our ability to discern it or know it. I bet it was a really pleasant surprise. Um, he had already written to the Ro- church at Rome, and so there was already a gospel here. Um, I, I don't know what you do with stuff like that, but when you find Christians where you're not expecting them, it's always a blessing to me. And it's always... Fellowship is, is special to me. I don't know about you guys. I have a large family, okay? <clears throat> I'm one of eight children. Um, I have four brothers and I have three sisters. One's, one of my sisters is, is deceased, so there's still seven of us. And we're close like families are close. You know, none of them are born again. And that's always, you know, heavy on my heart. And there are people I know, Christians who I know casually, who are closer to me than my my flesh and blood family. It's weird to me. I have more in common with people named the name of Jesus Christ than I have with people who I shared a bed with. It's, you get the, is this just me? You guys understand this too. Is this, is this something that you, because um, I think family is like super, super important, right? Absolutely. But I think about my family and, you know, my wife, my kids, it's a different category. But I think I like my brothers and sisters, my parents and stuff like that. I've had people who are like more brothers to me than my flesh and blood brothers. And I don't, I don't, it's nothing to sneeze at. God has given us this tremendous blessing. This, and it, it's incredible to me. So here he, and look at, look at this. We found brethren and were desired to tarry with them seven days. And this, that's Christianity for you, you know. Hey, stay at my house. You know, drive my car, eat my food, hang out with us, you know. You know, what's mine is yours. I love that about, about the family of God. Um, you know, we're reading through Kings and such and such died and slept with his fathers. That's going to happen to me too. I don't have any fathers. I don't have anyone there who's <clears throat> my late greats, who has the same last name that I know about. Who knows? I mean, I like to think about it very often, but... You know, when somebody sleeps with their fathers, their late greats, their forebears, I got spiritual ones. I don't have any physical ones. I find it very sad. But I think, like, again, with the same, I'm closer to people who are, I have an idea, like, when I go to heaven, it's going to be like Norm going to Cheers. 
everyone's just going to know who I am, and they're going to be very excited that I'm there, and I'm going to, like, know everybody. And whether they're, like, kinfolk, flesh and blood, or just, I, I'm, I know Paul. I know of him, I should say. But I feel like I know him. I don't think he knows, I don't think he knows me from Adam. But we'll learn. We'll have a whole eternity to learn it. Learn each other. It'll be, it'll be, I think that's really... Because I don't think you're like a stranger in heaven. You walk in, nobody talks to you. I don't think it's like that at all. It wouldn't be quite heaven, huh? I think it would be the best fellowship you ever had. Well said. And the sin question. You know what stops us from being the best of friends? Sin selfishness and petty, petulant, icky stuff, right? I think all that in heaven's gone away. Can't imagine being so self-absorbed in heaven. <laughs> From thence, uh, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as the Appia Forum and three taverns, whom when Paul saw, he thanked God and took courage. This Appian Forum is about 43 miles from Rome proper. That's a long, that's a day's journey, but it's a long day's journey. Counting for people were more fit back then. That was a long day's walk. And you could do it today, but even then it was, it was quite an adventure. Uh, this is like when they would, you know, conquering generals would, generals would come and they would have this, you know, they'd go out to meet them and, you know, they'd come back with fanfare and parade and everything else. It kind of reminds us of that. And Paul was kind of like that, a conquering hero, someone who they knew, someone who they loved. Uh, so Paul, he does two things. He thanks God and he took courage. He's going to Rome. He knows he's going to Rome. Is, he, is it with trepidation? Well, maybe. But you know, being in this custody for the last, he's going to be two years here. He's been two years in prison in, in Jerusalem. He hasn't been stoned. He hasn't been um, beaten with rods. He hasn't been scourged. He hasn't been Okay, he had prison, but it was kind of more of a house arrest. It wasn't like, you know, Philippi. Um, so it's kind of been, you know, good for him. So Paul, in a lot of ways, I think God's rest in him and everything else. But there's still like, I don't know what's coming up. I don't know what hap- what's going to happen. And when he sees the fingerprint of God all the time, you know, these brothers coming and, and, and being with him, he, one, praise God. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate it so much. And he took courage. Like, okay, God's still here. God's got a testimony here. God's got a people here. And when we came to Rome, ta-da! Jesus says, hey, you're going to Rome. What happened? He came to Rome. Does anyone, is anyone in this room right now surprised? We'd be surprised if it didn't happen. As a matter of fact, we'd be flabbergasted. When Jesus said something's going to happen, does, I got a question for you. Has God given you a promise that you think, like, it, it never materialized. It never happened. It just, I, I felt like in my heart of hearts, I really, I know what I know what I know. God promised this, and it never materialized. Can I just say, yet, he, he hasn't forgotten. His arm is not shortened. He's not weak. He's not able, it's not that he's not able to deliver the goods. I remember I was very young, 21. I, I got out of the Marine Corps. I was working in a, a woolen mill. Doesn't even, it's not, doesn't even exist today, okay? And I had a little testament. 
because I got saved when I was in the Marine Corps. So when I got out, I had this little testament that the Gideons had given me. It's, you know, just a New Testament and it had the uh, um, Psalms and Proverbs in it. I was reading it. And one of the uh, ladies working the woolen mills, she was in the spinning department. She said to me, so, like, what are you, like, practicing to be a, a preacher or something? <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's, uh, you, you're reading the Bible, you're going to be a preacher, right? That, on the, on the face of that, that was the most ridiculous thing anyone has ever told me. And I felt like the Spirit of God said, ridiculous, huh? You really think so? Like, you'll be what I tell you you're going to be. I really felt like, and I felt like that was my calling at 21. And then at, I don't know, 40-something, Ken said, hey, go start a church in Waterville. So I took that calling God, and I squished my Bible training right down into a quarter of a century or so, right? And here I am. And many times I felt like, I just, I missed that. I don't think God called me. I, I, it's not, that's never going to materialize. That's never going to happen. I mean, come on, really? Here I'm in my 40s. Never been to Bible college. Can't go. I got a family. I got obligations. I got... God said, you know, I don't stutter. I don't make mistakes. I don't... What are you doubting? What are you... What's your, what's your problem? What do you... How do you... And I kind of... Every time... Uh, I forget about it and say, nah, nah, nah. And every once in a while, you know, he'd remind me that, no, that's going to happen. That's going to... Every time, like, I let it drift away and forgot all about it. I just want to tell you something about God's promises. They're forever. That's all. That I, I just want you to... And when it came to pass, of, uh, and when we came to Rome, that's what I want you to know about God's promises. I don't know what you think. No, that could never happen. It could never materialize. It's too late for that. It's too... God hasn't forgotten his promise. We, you can come up afterwards. We can pray about it. We can work it out. We can... We came to Rome. The centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the garden. Paul was suffered to dwell by himself with the soldier that kept him. Kind of more house arrest. This is Julius saying goodbye to Paul. Is this brother Julius at this time? I believe so. I can't prove it. I really think so. And I think this is kind of like... He... If he's not a believer, he at least has, Paul at least has his respect. You remember, hey, well, listen to the captain. I don't know who you think you are, but at the end of it, Julius has taken orders from Paul. No, you cut that, you're not getting out of the ship. You cut that lifeboat loose. We're doing what Paul says. I I think he's a believer. I really do. I think we're going to, brother Julius, I think we're going to see him in heaven. And I have an idea. It just says, you know, I, I think it was, went like this. It was kind of like they had this band of brothers who had been through some adventures together on the high seas, literally, and they're saying goodbye. And Julius says, hey, I got to go. Listen, you take care. I got some friends here. I'm going to take good care of you. Paul, this has been a pleasure. And there's, there's an embrace. There's maybe tears. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I, it just says here, 
They delivered to the prison of the captain of God. If it's only this, whew, I finally got that guy off my hands. Because, I mean, uh, you know, God, God says you're going to Rome. What's going to happen before? Well, I don't know, stuff. You know, you're a Clyden. You know, they're going to they're gonna want to kill you on the ship because, you know, they're gonna afraid everyone's going to escape. Uh, then you're going to, you know, get shipwrecked on an island where you'll get snake bit and they'll think you are a god, but all that stuff. You know, it's just, it's, and, but finally, here he is. And I, I have an idea, this was a tearful goodbye, but anyway, he's a lot, suffered to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him because I think this is Julius's kindness saying, yeah, take good care of my friend here, who's, by the way, a Roman citizen and still not convicted of anything. Came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together, and when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our father, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem under the hands of the Romans, who, when they had ex- uh, examined me, would have let me go, because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar. Not that I had ought to accuse my nation of, for this cause, therefore, have I called to you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. By the way, you can do a a study of Paul's chain. It's fascinating to me. But if I go there now, I'm not going to finish. So after three days, because that's who Paul is. Don't put it off. Brothers and sisters, don't put it off. Whatever God's calling you to do, do it faithfully with the filling of God with alacrity. There's no time to dawdle. We think this is the run-up to the end times. If you know how close we were to the finish line, no no sense resting at this point. We'll all collapse over the finish line together. Do, Do not waste the opportunities that we have. Now, he gives us testimony and he, he tells all the things that have happened. And we've been over. This is uh, um, well-traveled ground. I was constrained to appeal to Caesar in verse 19. Not that I had ought to accuse my nation of it. I didn't, I'm not suing them. They're trying to kill me. Uh, but I, I want to tell you. I want to I meet with you. I want to be able to talk about what happened. Verse 21. They said unto him, We neither receive letters out of Judea concerning thee. Why? Because the Jews knew that their cause was hopeless? Probably. There's nothing, there's no documents preceding Paul. There's nothing to convict him of. Were they lost aboard that ship? I don't know. We neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, nor any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. So his reputation preceded him, but not all the, the, the slander that went with it. But we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest, for as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. This is very gracious, and I think very magnanimous, and I think very clever. Not clever. Open-minded. We've heard a lot about Christianity, this sect they call it, and that's not exactly a a bad term, but it's not exactly a compliment either. We've heard a lot about it, and it's, we know that it's spoken against everywhere, but we want you to come and tell us what we need to know about this. That's very open-minded, because there's a lot of people here. Oh, yeah, we know all about Christianity. <clears throat> no thanks. We don't want to hear what you get to say. They don't know anything. 
I, I've asked the most basic questions of people who are, no, no, no thanks, all set, all set, don't need to know, don't want to know. And I say, well, what have you heard about, what do you say? And they will say the most void of intellect things that anyone's ever heard. They say, that's what you think? But they don't want to hear it. They don't want to, they don't want to give you an audience. It's not for five minutes. Why? Because if they hear, then they're responsible for what they hear. And they've already made up their mind. I want to be boss of my own life. I know if I come to a Savior, we're going to have to deal with sin. And I like sin better than I like listening to you. No, they are open-minded. They're, they're, yeah, let us know what you think. Uh, t- tell us. We would appreciate that. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him unto his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified uh, the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening. Only the Old Testament he's using. Why? Because they're Jewish. Can you tell people about Jesus using Moses and the prophets? Oh, boy, I hope so. Oh, boy, I hope so. You talk to Jewish people and say, I don't even believe in that, the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament, what they call it. I don't even believe in that. Can you take Moses and the prophets and show them Jesus? I, I hope to say, you all can. I hope you, that to be an obvious, easy thing. And some believed. Because when you preach the gospel, you know what's going to happen? Some will believe. Say, well, I'm not really that handy. I'm not really that good a... Oh, no, no. <laughs> it's not a you thing. It's a God thing. Some will believe. That's the gospel is the seed, okay? You just throw it out there. Some will land on good ground. It will bring forth uh, a, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. Always remember that. It doesn't have anything to do with you. It has everything to do with God. The Word of God gives life. Always no. Some believe the things were spoken, some believe not. Now, when you share the gospel, I'm going to tell you, because I'm, I'm going to prophesy now, some will believe and some will believe not. You say, you didn't tell us anything. I'm telling you exactly how it's going to be. I'm telling you exactly how it always is. Don't, don't kick yourself when people don't believe. Paul is sharing. What, you don't think Paul's like good with the gospel? You don't think God, uh, Paul's capable of sharing in such and such a way that people get it? I would say his presentation of the gospel is not flawed in any way, shape, or form. So what happens? Some believe, some don't. What's going to happen when you, you're not, and I'm not the apostle Paul, right? What's going to happen? Uh, let me tell you, some will believe and some won't. And when they agree not among themselves, because they're Jewish, you think that's a pejorative? I just threw them all under the bus. <laughs> Talk to Jewish people. You get uh, three Jews, you got four opinions. They, they don't even agree with their own self. That's happened very often. When they agree not among themselves, they depart after that Paul had spoken one word. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people, and saying, Hear, Hearing ye shall not hear, and Hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and not perceive. That's in Isaiah chapter 6. Remember when he sees the Lord high and lifted up, and, and the angels, the cherubim, uh, seraphim, they're around the throne saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And he says, Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. Remember and the angel grabs the uh, coal from the altar and purges his tongue. You remember all that stuff? That's this, that's this. 
I want you to go to these people. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going, Lord, I'm going to. But they won't, they won't receive and they won't believe. So what do we do? Well, I'll go anyway. There's nothing. Because some will and some won't. For the heart of people is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed. So it's less your pr- presentation. It's more God doing a work in the life of people. If you take eyes that are closed and open them, that's a Jesus miracle, right? If you take ears that have never heard, and they are open, that's because God is opening ears. And uh, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known, therefore, unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, that they will hear it. This is Paul prophesying. You think this is Paul saying, well, if you ain't, you're going to be all nasty and not... I don't think so. I think he's just saying, hey, look, let me tell you how it's going to play out. You don't want Gentiles, well, kind of matter of fact. I don't think he's trying to ruffle feathers here. But I think he's saying, listen, you walk away from me and you, and you say no to the gospel. I want you to understand something. It's a, it's a really bad decision. I think he's saying this with a broken heart. I don't think he's warning them, yelling them, veins sticking out of his forehead, threatening them with Isaiah. I think he's saying, you've got to understand, this is prophesied. This is how it is. This is how it's going to play out. I kind of think, because I think he has the heart that's right, that's presenting the gospel in such a way, brokenhearted for the ones who won't believe. Are you sure about that? Are you sure you really want to make that decision? Are you sure you want to reject Jesus Christ? It's not going to end well. And I think this is the heart of Paul. I think this is what he's sharing here. When he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. Because why? Because some believed and some didn't. Right? And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. And that ends the book of Acts. You say, that's kind of an abrupt end. I know, right? Why? Well, this is the theology, this is the thought. Stay with me just a minute, okay? I know you're saying, oh, it's, it's out. We're, we're going to go past the time. Just one, one more point, okay? Uh, some people think it ended abruptly because there must be more that we never received. Or what's the issue? Well, how come it ends like that? Because I don't think it's an ending. I think Acts chapter 29 is being written right here, right now. You say it's the Acts of the Apostles. That's not the real name of it. It's just the, what the church calls it. I think it's the acts, of, the continuing acts of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, through his people. That's what I think it is. And all those things, Jesus is still alive. The Word of God is still... Look, at, at the end of it, he's, he can preach anywhere he wants to anyone he wants. The Word of God still isn't bound. Some countries, they try to put it in a jar and stuff like that. And those are some of the countries where the gospel is exploding way past anyone's ability to perceive it. Uh, you know, some of the closed countries like Iran, the gospel is going crazy in Iran. The church is going... Because when people say, that's illegal, you can't say it. God just laughs. He's like, yeah, I don't kind of really pay attention to your laws so much. Sorry, I'm God. I get a, I get a hall pass. I don't listen, Right? That's who he is. That's how he does. Um, 
the Word of God still isn't bound. And it's still, I think Acts is still being written. How many chapters are there now? I don't know. I think we'll find out, find out in heaven. You say, you don't think the Bible's complete? I don't think God, I think God's given us all he wants us to know. I think he could have written many more chapters if he wants. But I think the testimony of Jesus Christ is still being written. The stories are still being told. Uh, uh, they're still recording in heaven. I mean, you're going to be, you're going to stand before God uh, and give an account for what you, every idle word, every, uh, so there's still things being recorded. We don't know them. I can't teach them. You'll know about it soon enough, okay? But in the interim, what? Hey, preach the word of God through the spirit of God and God will do what God's going to do. He's always has, okay? It's less to do with you and your incredible ability to share. It's more God opening ears, God opening hearts and minds and the sight of his people to perceive, to get it, to share the gospel this week with somebody. Just one person. Share the gospel this week. Just one person. Make it your prayer, your determination. Lord, just give me one person to share with. And tell me what happens. I'd be very interested to know. I bet there'll be some new Christians next week. That's my thinking. I I don't mean in this church. Praise God if there are. But I mean in the kingdom of God. I mean, you share. Things will happen. Let's, Let's stand. Let's pray in our... Our worship team will come and send us out of here in song. I, I know I've gone over a, a minute here, but please forgive me. Uh, Father, we, we, we thank you for your wonderful word. <clears throat> Help us to get it, to live it, to love it, to just be people of the word. Help us to, as I was sharing earlier, share the gospel. At least one person this week. Now, receive this uh, blessing if you would. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen. It is our desire to get God's word out to all. So our podcasts and everything else downloaded from our website is free. But we do have expenses. And if you feel led to give a dollar for this resource, please go ahead and click the Give tab on our website at plowboyministries.org. Grace and peace. And everything I want out dear, I count it all as lost. Lead me to the cross where your love pours.